say like, the wave omega. Yeah. The wave omega. Um, yeah. Right. Well, we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat. And I'm Mike. And boy, boy do, do we, we have, have a show, show for you. you. Today on RMA, we have the incomparable, the lovely and talented, Aaron Coffin. More applause. Applause. Um, I'm just a monkey. Just point to me and I'll make, make noises. And we're super excited today. Um, we're going to talk about the pinkening of what? What is it, the pinkening of? The, the, the pink, pinking? The pinkening of uh, alcohol. Right. So and uh, it's, it's mark, marketing it to women yeah. and how women uh, have a sep- special set of issues that uh, they deal with when engaging with alcohol, uh, physical differences and all that sort of stuff. And Right. So it's the, we got Aaron's point of view, you know, we're not women, apparently. And so there's, there's sort of like some angles, some things that we may, might not completely you know, get a hold of that. <laughs> There's something uh, that us two men don't completely understand about women's issues. A I lot. can't imagine what they would be. But right. uh, <laughs> we could just mansplain about al- alcohol and women the entire show. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're going to be very careful not to offend everybody uh, with our <laughs> no No chance ignorance. that we'll succeed no. with that. Uh, but uh, visit us at middleagesrecovery.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube and more. You actually got a uh, comment on YouTube, did you not? From someone that listened I to did, us. I did. It's really cool. We're, we started posting on YouTube and it's really just our show, but a lot of people use YouTube for search when they're looking for something new. Mm, yes. And um, mm. it's something I didn't think about until we started doing it. And the uh, comment was something like, you guys are badass. Um, right. Got you on Spotify. And I appreciate it when you guys tell us, you know, because I'm a marketing nerd. So I love to know where you found us. You know, what were you thinking when you found us? I don't think Spotify has any way for you to comment on anything. Yeah, I don't know. Because I never. I Maybe never that's used- why this person listened to us on Spotify. Then went all the way over to YouTube. So they can so interact. They leave with us. a comment. Yeah. Which. Which is why it's super important that um, people know that we do show notes and Mike does a really great job. It has all of the links. You know, there's a few funny hidden jokes in there that he thinks nobody sees because I read it. Um, it's <laughs> nobody, really cool. nobody reads the show notes. It's fine. But the great reviews will be read on the show. Uh, we also have a tell us your story uh, segment that has yet to materialize. <laughs> no one has told us a story yet. No, we have no story. So go to middleagesrecovery.com. Fill out to tell us a story. And finally, ask a cop. If you could ask a policeman anything, what would it be? Our uh, <laughs> our very own Sergeant Slaughter, who is an active duty uh, sergeant. Um, I guess we won't say where. And uh, he's ready to answer any question. It's anonymous. You know, something you've always wanted to ask. Like, how can I get out of, you know, if you catch me with a dirty crack pipe? Like, what's what are my options? So we got a... Uh, we got an email from our number one fan in Tacoma, Washington, uh, the other day. I still haven't read it. I think he just uh, sent it to you. Uh, it's uh, Jeff. And um, he he sort of made a comment about the Ask a Cop segment saying uh, that no one is ever going to send you <laughs> a question on Ask a Cop. Really? Um, Why not? Yeah. So. I thought I, that was I a great might, I, 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 It's idea. not a bad idea, but. Um, Why wouldn't? It's anonymous. His reasoning was. Um, 
Well, okay, I'm going to just read this part of it. And yeah. I didn't ask him, so hopefully he's not mad at me. Uh, nobody will send in questions for Sergeant Police Guy ever. Well, maybe high bottom AA members that are curious about misdemeanors or traffic violations, but definitely not any addicts from NA. It's been in my experience the popo ends up on most of my sponsees' fourth step work. <laughs> Seriously. Well, so I thought that was an interesting take on it. So here uh, it is, but here's what maybe we didn't say is that Sergeant Slaughter also struggles with addiction. And yeah. so he has a unique perspective mm. um, on it, you know, so he's not, it's not just like asking some straight cop off the street, you know, right. This, this is a policeman, I guess you'd call him, uh, who has been around the block uh, a few times. So it, it'd be really great. He's really, he's a funny dude and he'll be, he'll be funny just to uh, be on the show. At some point, even if we don't get a question, we should just I'm gonna bring make him in one and have him yeah. you know, or, or something. You know, We got to get his stories. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know his stories. Um, because cop, cop stories are intense usually. Yeah, the cop stories. Cop drinking but, stories. You know, so we're looking forward to getting that going. I haven't talked to him in a couple of weeks. So uh, Sergeant Slaughter, thinking about you. Hope you're okay. I know you are. I know you're busy. Um, and our life update, snowstorm number two and the mm. Super Bowl. Right. We had this week. Yes. So did you do a Super Bowl party or? Uh, yeah, for me and Aaron and a couple of kids. That was it. That was it. That was a yeah. big party. We, we made really bad food. Uh, well, good food, but. And how much money you. did you lose on the game? I don't, I don't, I don't bet. You're not really a man I, if you don't drink beer, watching football and bet on it. I had a beer. I had a non-alcoholic oh, oh. beer. That's controversial. <laughs> A non-alcoholic. Not in my house, it's not. I, Unbelievably. Uh, I had an N.A. Heineken 00. It was, it was great. Was it? I, well, Does it just taste like Heineken? It tastes like Heineken. See, I was... A little skunky. Well, you know. that's Heineken, though. Right. Um, the only non-alcoholic thing I would drink that's, like, presented as as not, like, a beer that's non-alcoholic is that Guinness N.A. I know. It's zero know. zero alcohol. So it's, it's coming. 100%. I just, I do miss that flavor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um... Yeah, so like I got myself Bloody Mary mix uh, because I'm like, why? This looks like good Bloody Mary stuff. I could just pour it over ice and I get a nice, I like that flavor. The vodka ruins Put the horseradish in it? Yeah, man. Because that gives you the burn. The worst. As if it was vodka. I want a piece of celery. Yeah. I want to, you know, I I just love that flavor. I've seen some of the crazy ones they make out there with like the fucking chicken wings in it and stuff. They put people put all kinds of stuff in there. Yeah. It's chicken wings. I'll see if I can find a link. Oh man. Yeah. Well, we had a little, we have this awesome neighbor who who we're buddies with that's, um, I've probably talked about before, but we always like wander over there and, uh, he's always cooking something awesome and, uh, our kids are friends and stuff like that. So we, I sort of, I said, you want to come over for a Super Bowl party? Because I knew he would say, why don't you come over to our house? You know, because I'm not ready to host anybody. I don't know how to cook. But uh, anyway, it was great. It was, you know, they're one of those people that we see like you guys. We see them Mm -hmm. like maybe one other group of people. So we've we've kept it very uh, isolated, I'd say. And there are Mm -hmm. people who I know respect um, the mask wearing and that are careful. You know, they're not just these. How do you drink Bloody Marys through a mask? <laughs> there must be a way to do a that. A straw. Yeah. You do a straw. Um, but it was fun, but it reminds me of this story. Did I tell the Super Bowl party story with my sponsor? I think you might have, but um, well, I'll it, tell it's that really, time of year, so it, like, we, we, should, we should hear it. So this was my second sponsor, but this was a long time ago. I mean, this has to be 2010, maybe 2011. Mm -hmm. And he was a great sponsor, great guy, whatever. And I had just 
gotten into AA. I was doing everything with this guy and, um, not everything. And, um, he was like, we started our own meeting, uh, Tuesday nights. Uh, oh no, 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 no. It was maybe, no, it was Monday. It was a living sober meeting where we would discuss the book called living sober, okay. which is a approved literature. We also took a meeting into, into the psych ward at, um, Syosset. Uh-huh. And like we did the meeting where we were basically proselytizing AA to patients. And it um, sounds like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. No, I would go every week with my sponsor. Okay. So I had like a month, maybe two months. I was really into it. I was working steps with them, writing stuff out, sharing at meetings, reading at the door, you know, you were, psych you were ward, Mr. AA. Boom, studying, big book studies. And, um, and so the Super Bowl came up and basically like I didn't have any friends, uh, kind of like now where I have like two friends. So, <laughs> but then I had even less friends. Um, and so he was kind of like my friend. Um, and, uh, he, uh, basically, so he took me under his wing, so to speak. And, uh, he was like, we got a Super Bowl party. It's a guy from the rooms that I knew in his apartment, same condo or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, the party was a mix of people. It was some AA people and it was some normies as we used to call them. Right. Right. Uh, and so at first I'm like, oh, that's weird. Why would Mark invite me to a party where there was beer? But I guess he figures it was a small apartment. <laughs> like your sponsor, like no they way. Keep an eye on you. you know. Yeah. So it was like the living room where people were watching the Super Bowl, and he was all sitting. And there was like maybe 15 people there in a small apartment. And in the kitchen, you'd walk around, and and he couldn't see me. Everybody had these red cups. You know, at first there was Coca Cola in it <laughs> for me, and then I began to realize as the night wore on that. It really wouldn't take much for me to, you know, just pour that thing in here or, and man, so I started doing that and, uh, first drink, got it together, sat next to him. I put the, set the cup next near to him. him. That's I did. fucking crazy and addict shit. I'm like, he doesn't realize it. He doesn't. And I was drinking. I'm like, man, this feels good. I'm going to keep going. Like, so the <laughs> night goes on like that. I don't know. And it was other people from the room. So I was his sponsor. And this was had to be extremely embarrassing for, mm-hmm. you know, here's my uh, sponsee getting blasted at a party <laughs> I took him to. Nobody so, confronted me. So you didn't think it was obvious at all? No, no, I didn't. I did not think I got caught. Um, I ended up driving home, too. How, and, how many uh, beers do you think you have? I don't remember. Maybe eight or nine. Like Not like 20. Do you ever look at somebody that's had eight or nine beers? It's bad. You, you, it's can, bad. you can always tell. <laughs> I know. Right? So, But no, he didn't say anything yeah. to me at the party. And he was there with his new girlfriend. He's an older guy that uh, divorced. And so he had this girlfriend with him. And, um, <laughs> and so finally it was time to go. And uh, there was no incidents per se. Like I didn't like break something or mm-hmm. hit something. It's just I was drunk. Right. And, but that's it. I, w- I wasn't embarrassingly like cursing or taking my pants off. Just definitely drunk. <laughs> and it was time to go. I'm like, all right, got to go. He's like, are you sure you should drive? I'm like, yeah, why wouldn't I be able to drive? <laughs> I was just uh, such beautiful people. And um, so I got in the car and I went home. So wait, do you remember when he said, are you sure you're okay to drive? Were you like, oh shit, the, the gig's up? Because why would he ask me that question if I, he didn't think I was... It's funny you say that. I don't remember. It Mm. must not have registered or maybe I was at a point where it registered, but I figured I didn't care. I was drunk enough. You know what I mean? But I didn't think of it. I thought maybe he knows. So the next day, because I was calling my sponsor every day. Hey, Mark, (laughs) how's it going? Um, He's like, uh, hey, Nat, how how are you? You know, and it was this awkward kind of like, I'm like, I'm fine, man good party last night. Uh, you hitting the meeting tonight. I'm, uh, I'm down to do like my step two or whatever. He's like, 
man, he goes, you got wasted at the Super Bowl party last <laughs> night. And I was like, um, yeah, I said, I, yeah, I guess I did. <laughs> and he didn't fire me that time. But, um, for years after that, even after I stopped working with him and I went back out there every Super Bowl, I'd be like, what time is the party? You know, <laughs> I didn't do it this year, but, um, it's kind of a funny thing with him. Uh, I don't really talk to him very much, but um, when I do, it's usually on Super Bowl Sunday. I'll text him. So that was my that's Super Bowl. Great. Party. That's great. That that's a legend, legendary uh, <laughs> way to spend the Super Bowl. I think about like I wonder if he tells that story. To, I'll bet he does, to, or, or if he's embarrassed about it. I, I bet you it was the last time he brought one of his uh, sponsees <laughs> to to one of those kind of parties. Yeah. Um, so that was that was pretty uh, pretty crazy, nice, dude. That's uh, that's a good one. Um, did you have a conversation with a friend you'd like to speak about? Yes. Yes, I did. Well, oh, good. interesting. You know, um, I've been sort of sort of quietly letting it out of the bag that I stopped drinking among pe- with people that I used to drink with. Yeah. And one of them is a, a friend of mine who, um, you know, he's, um, I don't know how, to, I don't even know if he listens to this podcast, which makes it weird as, in terms of how to identify him. But uh, Why don't you just email it to him once we finish? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, he's uh, my scuba instructor, and he's also into photography, so we were grabbing our cameras the other day and heading out to take some pictures of some bald eagles, and, you know, we did that, and we were coming back, and uh, he starts telling me all about the kegerator that he installed mm-hmm. in his living room, and, you know, and, and I had mentioned to him a couple months ago that I I'd stopped drinking, and but, he, but I'm just carrying on this conversation, like, yeah, so how many pints do you get out of a quarter keg, you know, and all this stuff. And so we have this long conversation about his kegerator. And then it's like, almost as if a light bulb went on over his head. He looks at me, he goes, Oh, uh, how's sobriety going? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, it's great. Uh, you know, and, but then <laughs> you ever sp- spoke to somebody who maybe is thinking a little bit about how much they drink, they start telling you about how much they really don't drink or about the month that they took off and how, you know, and so that was the, way that conversation started are you looking for something underneath yeah, this okay. okay um so <clears throat> uh so we get into this other conversation where he's telling me about dry january and how he you know sort of comes up he's wondering if maybe he's drinks too much and mm-hmm. stuff and you know my, my first thought is well you have a keg in your living room <laughs> if you have to ask the question well and i brought that up i said you know um well okay so then he, we talked about how he's on reddit all the time and and i said you know I found, um, you know, I'm, I don't do AA or any of those kind of things, but I, I really found a lot of value in going to the stop drinking subreddit. And he's like, yeah, I was in there, um, you know, that, that month that I, uh, that I took off and, you know, kind of, kind of reading the stories and stuff. And I'm like, well, that's, you know, you don't tend not to go to the stop drinking subreddit unless you're thinking a little bit in, uh, about your choices. Right. right? right. And, and, you know, so we, you know, I get out of the car and I, and I, and my parting thought to him is cause he was like, you know, I don't know if I could ever stop because I would always be in a situation where I'd want to have a beer and I just want to have a beer. And I said, um, I said to him, well, I said, what really did it for me was when I was able to flip the script in my head, you know, I gave him the spiel, flip the script, my script in my head to see sobriety as a state of abundance rather than one of deprivation. Yes. And he looked as if I'd hit him in the face with a hammer because he's like, I don't think he believes that that sort of state is possible. Mm. Uh, Or if he does, like, um, how you would ever get yourself to that state. And and then I said, then I hit him, that was my, that's the left. And then I hit him with the right. And the right was, I said, I said, man, I said, what I realized when I quit drinking was now 
all I had to do was stop doing one thing and then I could do all the other things. Right. I said, um, I said, because the other way I could do that one thing, but it would, it stopped me from doing a lot of the other things. And that was like, bam, bam. Yeah. That's a good one. Cause I left him, I left him thinking. Yeah, and you know, the, once once you get that in your head, they used to say in AA, uh, I'm a belly full of beer and a head full of AA. Oh, it yeah. ruins it, it drinking does. and using for you. Once yeah. once you that light bulb goes off, I don't know. You can never unsee it. Yeah, it ruins drinking and using for you. Well, I think I left him with a head full of non AA. But yeah. uh, and I, I guess I, you the, know the trick is now you know not to be. I mean, everybody has a different style for 12 stepping, even if you're not using the 12 step, you're just helping someone. But, um, everyone has a different style. Like, you know, you're doing the, you know, you put a little bit out there, see if he takes Mm -hmm. it and like, and I'm here and I'm a safe place for you to like say more if you want to, but you don't push it. You know what? And I'm not saying this guy's got a drinking problem. Uh, I don't know if he does. I mean, he's, you know, he's young. You know, uh, it's like why wait? He's younger to hit than your, you, and like why wait to hit your bottom? That's another thing that. Well, you, I mean, you know, I don't think he. Like you know, I got. How about don't hit your bottom? Drunk with this guy a couple of times, and we definitely took it to a to a pretty, <laughs> pretty <laughs> aggressive, you know, rigorous place of drinking. Right. Um. But you know, at that age, how old thirty? The stuff, yeah, the stuff that he, you know, he does with his Man, life I, and his career. You know, this it, maybe it's just the thing for him. Like. I don't know. You know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, everybody's different. It's everyone's experience is not your own. I am not judging. Yeah. You know. Great guy, super sharp, really on top of his game. Well, you know. If if he comes on board, I thought we should do a weekly follow-up if he starts working with you. You can have your first non-AA sponsee. What mm, about that? That'd be great. We'll call it an RMA acolyte. Yeah. <laughs> Something well, like that. Well, once we brand our own yeah, brand of recovery and start charging people thousands of, right. uh, well, if we can get insurance reimbursements. I, there's a whole plan I have in my yeah. <laughs> Well, the program is right now listen to the podcast and hope for the best. That's I'd be satisfied if people just did that, <laughs> frankly. Just listen to it. So, but you know, it got me thinking like um you know and i mean i have been thinking a lot about not drinking lately which sounds like weird to say because i a lot of times i don't think a lot about not drinking i just don't drink that really means um, you're just thinking about drinking right hmm. you know maybe it was because this super bowl i had a i had that na beer or something yeah, but see, that's why because, it's bad it gets it in your head well, you start thinking oh, i remember this flavor yeah, the flavor's okay i never really loved heineken i just happened to have one in the fridge you know ah. um but I remember the day before the Super Bowl, I went out in the morning. It was early. It was like seven o'clock. I went out and I got a cup of coffee at uh, the coffee place down across the street here mm-hmm. and was just standing outside sipping it. And the light was coming up. The town was quiet. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, if this was two years ago, I would be hungover. I'd be fucking miserable. I'd be all jittery and shaky. And there's a certain like sublime beauty in just being able to sit there and drink a cup of coffee at seven o'clock in the morning and just be, and just be at peace with yourself. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the thing that's so hard to encapsulate when you're trying to explain to someone why, you know, why it's better. Yeah. You know, cause it's this, it's so hard to, to, to see it when you, especially when you're in active addiction, um, and, right. the, you know, there's stages of active addiction. I forget what book I was reading where they talk about them. It's like the pre-contemplation phase. Oh, yeah, that was uh, smart recovery. Yeah, yeah, right? Contemplation or whatever, and then action. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so the person who's in the pre-contemplation who has not accepted that they are an addict yet, mm-hmm. you know, 
it's like they know that something's going wrong in their life. They know they don't feel great or mm-hmm. their relationships aren't doing what they used to. But they there there's this fear of making the connection and saying, uh, I'm an alcoholic, yes. I'm an addict. And right. I remember going through that myself, like taking that step. And I wish I could say well. that I took the step to say I was an alcoholic and then I got better, but... That was really just one of the first steps is saying, yes, yes, I need help. Well, that yes. is the first step. Right? Well, first <laughs> right? step is um, I something uh, lose control. Oh, I can't remember the first step. What? My life has become unmanageable. Um, right. Uh, <laughs> I've become powerless over alcohol and my life has become unmanageable. Yeah. That's the first step. Um, um, so, I mean, I don't think you need to, well... You can identify as an alcoholic or you could identify as somebody that needs this. Just to identify that, yeah, you're um, in a class of people right now that has to do something about it. Yeah, okay. There you go. The um, We call that an alcoholic. But I mean, it was just, every once in a while it dawns on me that my brain is not full of me saying to myself... How many drinks should I have tonight? What am I going to do? I'm going to drink. Or or in the morning, oh, I had too many last night. I feel like shit. Oh, you know, uh, am I still going to drink tonight? Da, da, da. It's like, oh, that voice is like quiet. Yeah. You know, I don't. That, my brain is like not the, like that anymore. The inner addict. This is, remember, I've yeah. been talking about yeah. this. The same, I feel the same way. It's that inner addict is silent. It's so nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, that's great. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I wanted to mention before we get to Aaron is that I'm working on my diploma, my oh, yeah. graduation for my English literature degree from a prestigious university locally. It's not, it's like not really prestigious. It's <laughs> sort of just like expensive and like normal. But um, I'm very excited. I've got my last class that I'm taking. But then um, my advisor uh, said something like, oh, and uh, don't forget, you know, talk to Dr. Lutz about your portfolio. And I'm like, uh, my what? My what? <laughs> this is an English lit degree. What the hell portfolio? I, I haven't been keeping my papers. Mm. I've been going to that school since 99. <laughs> I, I mean, that's when I first wow. took a summer class there when I was still going to Potsdam to the Crane School of Music. Yeah. And um, man, so I have my papers. Who knows? And you need like five different ones. What? Five different. I'll, I should show you that before you leave. It's this. What you're supposed to do, and I have to write a self-reflection piece what? on my time at LIU. Well, that should be interesting. And um, I'm like, it's a 20 year retrospective. I'm like, this is going to be like a docu series. Like, mm. you know what I mean? So now I've got to run around figuring out. Like, he's like, from English 45, we need a paper that discusses context oh and history God. that you've done. You know, I've got. Four and then one is there's reflection piece. So I wrote the the guy. I'm like, dude, <laughs> like seriously, <laughs> you've been going to school here for 20 years. I don't know where these papers are. I did some of them on a typewriter, you know. Yeah. Um, so what did he say? Nothing yet. Um, <laughs> but I do. Maybe you can get a waiver or something. That's what I'm. You're thinking. not 21 years old. Like you don't no. need how reflective. I mean, if anybody's been reflective over send, the last 20 years, it's been you, right? right? Maybe I should send him a link to the show and he can see how reflective. Um, uh, so Erin is actually beeping in here. She, she wants to, she's texting us. Maybe we'll get to her sooner than that. So I just wanted to say that I've got a lot of anxiety about this graduating. And I Listen, think about it and I think they're going to say no. And that shit's gonna, all going to work itself out. Ugh. 
You're, you're definitely going to graduate and you're going to tell this guy that you don't have papers from 20 years ago and it's not going to be a big deal. Can you put it on your legal letterhead and send it to him? <laughs> well, threat threats don't tend not to, you know, inspire people in th- academia to the, to the best I've behavior, th- but yeah. I've got a threatening letter from uh, the legal department at an insurance company. <laughs> Yeah, strange. Ra- ra- <laughs> rather than hand in the the papers, I'm going to give you a threatening letter yes. instead. Yes, that'll work. It's much better. Yeah. You just well because it's an it's an online thing where you you know add the papers. So maybe I'll who just, looks at these things? I'll anyway. just we'll write one threatening letter and I'll upload that to all five. <laughs> and uh, and so anyway, that's what I'm working on, and I'm mm. going to be gathering up my old papers. Shit, brother. I'm not looking forward to it, but I am looking forward to graduating. We should call Aaron soon. All right, right. So, yeah, we'll talk about hobbies next time. Yeah, next time. All right. The great, the lovely, the talented. So she just... Oh, get smart with Aaron Moore. So she just asked me what time we'd be calling. So why don't I just call her? Yeah, let's call. Wait, I'm, now I'm calling both of you. Do we have music for her uh, segment? Is there any music for her segment? Uh, sure. What do you want to do? Here it is. I was going to just put it in afterwards. But that works too. <laughs> You're a man of many talents. <laughs> oh, she doesn't want to do it. Maybe she hates us. Aaron. Join the club. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> now. I'm ready now. How much of this can we cut out? Tell her that's not a spam phone call. Oh, you've reached Aaron Moore. Please. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. You know what? Send her a text. Tell her that was Mike calling and she should pick up. Okay. Think of some music for her. What should we? Uh, It'll probably just be me playing that little MIDI keyboard. Um, okay, she just texted you? No, that was me. No, that was you. Yeah, so we're very much looking forward <laughs> to getting Aaron on the show. And we were thinking of different names for this segment. This such a professional operation we're running here. What do you... Uh, we're actually brainstorming <laughs> the name on the air. Yeah, this is great. I uh-huh. think I like to get smart with Aaron. Or get smart with Aaron Moore. Yeah, okay. I That's like, fine. I think get smart, because it, it, it harkens back to the spy sitcom of the 70s and 80s. Agent 99. Right? Right. Get smart. So yeah. that's when we're branding the marketing. Because this is what I'm thinking. It's going to be, she's going to be like a spy. Okay. You know, so we'll get her in a spy costume. I don't know. What is a spy costume? No, no costumes. No costumes? No. It's radio. You yeah. can't see it anymore. Theater of the mind. Theater of the mind. Should I try calling again? Yeah, give her another Have we, Maybe she's just on a verbal diarrhea. She's probably just on the key. It would have been nice if we had given you a little more of a heads up, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I, just, I couldn't see what time it said on your text. So I'm like, oh, and I was on the phone prior to that. So I thought, oh, shit, I have no idea what time you sent that. But okay. Yeah, sorry about that. Well, uh, welcome to the show. Welcome. It's Hello. Just, it's Hi. called, it's Get Smart with Aaron Moore. What do you think? <laughs> All right, we'll talk about work? it more. All right, we, we we'll can, workshop it. We'll yeah, workshop, workshop it. I love it. I love it. I love workshop it. it. We'll workshop it. So, uh, Aaron, this is your second appearance on um, 
What's, What's the name of our show? Recovery in the <laughs> Middle Recovery Ages. Recovery in the Middle Ages. <laughs> it's our, you're our first repeat guest. Yeah. But secretly, Aaron, I've always planned for you to be a repeat guest. Um, so oh. I am, we are living my dream right now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> this is your dream. Bless it all. That dream's big. <laughs> yeah, it's big. If I could just get Aaron back on the show. Um, so yeah, it's great. We're going to do this. I don't know how often, but... Uh, we had We're to so least, together. I know, I know, but I know it's going to be cool. Erin uh, has done some uh, some of her own research. Uh, and um, about a certain topic that we're going to discuss when she comes back. It'll be the, the segment and um, it'll be great. So what are we talking about this time? Does Aaron know? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, right? I, I no. didn't know if he meant we by me or yeah. y'all. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, what are we talking about? So, uh, you know, we're talking uh, this time on our on our pilot uh, pilot um, trial on this segment. Um, we're going to be talking about the pinking of the alcohol industry. Um, so, which is basically marketing specifically to women. Pinking is it pinking or pinking? I say pinking. Pinking. It's the pinking. Is that is that term used by the advertisers? Because I, I mentioned that to to my wife that we were talking about that, and she was like. Um, Oh, that's sexist to use that term. Is that is that a term being used by the advertisers? Because I, I would you know, I I have not seen an instance where they were using the term. Although mm. I was not able to find who actually coined it, and I did look. Yeah, I've I have heard it before, bit. though, right? I mean, it's it's a it's yeah, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well, it's it's used quite a bit. I just don't know if that's something. It would be a good question to know. You know, in their boardroom, are they using this term? Yeah. Yeah, and um, a little nefarious. <laughs> and so, um, in some of the research that you you were doing, you did that you sent us, which is great because um, I always like to hold a piece of paper in my hand when I'm trying to do this show because it makes me feel better. But it's it's great because um, a lot of these great points that I wasn't thinking about, but the the health uh, aspect of it, and that you know, maybe a, a lot of women or we, we're not talking about how the same amount of alcohol for most men is, you know, exponentially more dangerous to most women. Yes. Yeah, that that really is not talked about very much. And I think there's, you know, there's some reason for that. It's pretty persuasive if you think about it. Um, you know, the National Institutes on Health really have been very clear on this for several years. And their director, um, her name is Patricia Powell, she, you know, in, in any interview she's given about it, uh, this was one of her quotes from it was um, that she said, part of being liberated from male dominance is being able to behave in the way that you choose, Ms. Powell said. And some women have gotten the message that it's liberating to, quote unquote, drink like a man. Mm. But the problematic message uh that she, she said was um, it doesn't include the part about how dangerous alcohol is or that women who match a man drink for drink are likely to suffer worse health effects. So that was her quote mm-hmm. from uh, probably the most recent, um, you know, the study to come out of uh, the National Institute of Health for which she's obviously a director. Right. And so you're, you're talking, I'm sorry. So you're talking about the uh, Patricia Powell, um, and she said, and I quote, part of being liberate, liberated she just, from... She just read She that. read the exact yes, thing? exactly. God, I see. You were fiddling with your knobs. No, but there. there's... So, yeah, what you said. Just so not. <laughs> <laughs> Never around this knob while other people are talking. So the, N- the NIH study brings up... <laughs> 
I'm going to push through <laughs> if here. If I can't help you up, I'll help you down. <laughs> I'm going to push. Yeah, okay, so the, the rev- relevant data from the NIH study you talked about, liver damage, heart disease, brain damage, and breast cancer. That part she didn't talk about, but okay. Right. So yeah, I didn't get there yet. Right. Well, I, when I was reading this, and I, I wrote some notes on it. I scribbled down wet brain. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's another aspect of just let's alcoholism. Like until I got into the depths of rehabs and um, and all those in the rooms, uh, I didn't realize that their wet brain is a real thing. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, and that's actually they, that's how they talk about it in the you know in the in the hospitals. <laughs> this person has wet brain, but it's it's yeah. when a person gets past the point of no return mentally. And then they're you're completely compromised and they can't function. Uh, and I think... Have you ever met anyone like that? Yes. Yes, I have. And yeah. she's a woman, yeah, actually. Yeah, I think we all have. Yeah. Uh, she was in the rooms and her, she and her husband. But yeah, I mean, it's... We used to call them burnouts when I was young. Yes. <laughs> we called them burnouts. Like, what the hell happened to that guy? Yeah. As we were dropping large amounts of acid and things, thinking, what's wrong with that guy? <laughs> So who do you think is perpetrating this? This Is this really all marketing and, and big, big perpetrating. alcohol? Perpetrating. Wow, that's a big term, and I think I think <laughs> it's a good question. Um, you know, I don't think that there's one. Uh, you know, I think the, the other aspect of this story that I'll kind of get into, too, is the non-medical aspects which play in. which show It'll show you that, like, there are a lot of different systems at play here, both culturally, societally, and Within our medical system, I mean, alcoholism still isn't, you know, is it is listed as a disease and addiction, but it's not often seen that way still. Um, but yeah, the, the NIH study talks about how with liver damage that women um, are more likely to develop liver damage by misusing the same amounts of alcohol as men and that you can actually get hepatitis strictly from drinking. Mm. Um, and it's, yeah, a lot of people don't realize that it doesn't have to be a viral hepatitis. There is alcoholic hepatitis, which is basically the form of wet brain for your liver. Wow. Yikes. Where you just drink and drink yourself into hepatitis. It happens. But women. Shit. Huh. We lost her. How'd that happen? Why is. Uh, uh, sorry about that. We lost Erin. She's still talking right now, I bet. I'll bet. I so bet it's going to roll over to her voicemail. <laughs> she's like getting a beep while she's talking. Hello, I'm so happy. I don't know what happened. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> the the, the okay. storeroom has spotty service. We're working it out. Yeah, yeah we're working it out. <laughs> so go it's on. It's our first time. We're working it out. I don't know. Go on from where and at. <laughs> we got to get you in studio. That's that's the trick. We got to get over All right, here. I'll come to New York again. Yeah. <laughs> So you were saying we're talking about the uh, the liver, the hepatitis generated by just drinking, uh, yes. and it reminds me of all of the things that can happen to you that aren't death, even when it comes to just <laughs> alcohol. It's things there you know, are states yeah. that may that really honestly, and this is I don't say this to be flippant. <laughs> like honestly, there are states worse than than death. I, I in my belief. Yeah, and it, one of them is living with a chronic condition that is really not that treatable, yeah. like like alcoholic hepatitis or any type of hepatitis. You know, that it is more gradual, and that's the thing about uh, any hepatitis is that it goes undetected usually until you start having health effects that are obvious, and by then it's usually really, really advanced because hepatitis works really slowly. 
Um, and I, anyway, I can go into a whole thing about hepatitis because I worked in the, uh, in a hep C, uh, grant program. So I won't, I won't go down that rabbit hole too far. Um, but, but it is an interesting topic and one that's not as well understood as it, it really should be. Um, even for people that have the viral type, but then you've got heart disease, you know, and, and women already aren't really targeted in a lot of the marketing of heart disease medications and, and, uh, and in general, because, men, you know, heart attacks were always seen as kind of a male thing, yeah. you know, for a long time. Yeah, that's um, weird. I, I, it's true. Now that you said that, I like know that's true, but I've never thought of it like that before. But women do suffer well, from and heart women disease. Tend to have, yeah. At the same, same yeah, levels. And women get, yes, actually more so, um, and earlier in life it usually starts, but it's overlooked partially because they're not screened as much as, as men for heart disease where it's getting better. Um, I, I'm screened for it and such partially just because I'm getting older, but when um, female symptoms of heart disease and heart attacks are atypical as well, as far as atypical meaning, right? Not the male way. Think about it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But it is seen that way in the medical field that it's considered, it's called atypical symptoms and it's things that we don't look for. Uh, it's not like a massive pain in your chest usually where it mm. starts. It's, so women usually die of heart attacks more often too, because they don't recognize that's what's happening and tend to not seek help. It's actually the leading cause of, of death for women in the United States. Really? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And a lot of that is dietary, and but a lot of it is also the increase in use of, of alcohol starting a lot younger. And so um, brain damage is another, you know, you talked about the wet brain, like it does produce brain damage more quickly, according to the NIH. And then breast cancer is something that, you know, is, I mean, it's hard to even speak that term as a woman because it's such a dirty word right dirty meaning that we're all you know that none of we all think about that especially as we get older a lot mm. and so it's one of our bigger fears but um you know there is an association between drinking alcohol and developing breast cancer and their studies even demonstrate and this is over years it wasn't just one study that their even their most recent study confirmed that women that consume even one drink a day have about five to nine percent higher chance of developing breast cancer than women who do not drink at all yeah. And for every drink, additional drink you have per day, of course, that risk increases. So, you know, that's the medical aspect. Um, but I, I really think the bigger, quote unquote, perpetrator, uh, yeah, the, the alcohol industry, you know, they've, they've forever been known for, you know, shady marketing, just like drug companies, just mm. like, you know, the nicotine industry, tobacco industry, all of that. But so I'm not really that surprised that they decided, well, <laughs> you know, women are spending most of the money. I mean, even in a household where you've got two, you know, a male and a female adult figure, women are usually doing a lot of the, the buying of the alcohol. Oh, definitely. And and with this um, pandemic, social media, like, has just been, like anything else that goes crazy on social media, you know, the drinking memes mm. and like the uh, mommy wine time. Well, the ability for you to now order alcohol to be delivered to your front door or through a company through. like Drizzly or um, yeah. Yeah, Drizzly. <laughs> I would have killed for that. It. that sounds so, like, Dris- it's a lot. I, I want a lot of jokes in there. I'm going to let them go. I would have killed for a delivery of alcohol. Check out when my I was Twitter active. later. The <laughs> head tweet. But the, something that, you know, I, I don't know if people really realize is when, when people talk about what constitutes a light or a heavy drinker or a, a moderate drinker, uh, for, for men, you know, the, the, uh, 
They have like it's an a, official. It's like two a, two a day is considered. Two standard drinks. Two standard it, units. Which is like, yeah, a unit. Yeah. It's like a shot or a beer or, or a glass, glass of a wine. A five-ounce glass of wine. Or an not entire. Like right. And I a used to have is not usually right. what we think it is, of course. Right. But, but for women. an ounce? Yeah, for women, it's a ha- it's half of that, though. It's one one unit a day is considered moderate drinking. Right. Right. And how many, who sits down and has one drink? Does anybody? <laughs> like my wife sometimes, you know, but she almost always goes for the second. Yeah. But she, yeah. You know, she's not. So the not national, home. yeah, the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism does kind of define what is binge drinking, right? And so they define heavy alcohol use, just heavy alcohol use, mm-hmm. as more than three, more than four drinks on any day for men and more than three drinks for women. Yeah. And, you know, drinks, of course, we go back to what is a drink? Uh, usually, and I'm not a bartender, but I really, I think it's like an ounce of alcohol, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, you know, when you think about a drink, I mean, you ever get a margarita that requires like three straws and, yeah. and three hands? <laughs> it's more than an ounce. Yeah. <laughs> like I called that a drink. So, yeah. And if I get a know, five ounce you know, pour of wine, it. I would send it back as being too, too light. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why a pour of it? Bring that. Yeah. No. Yeah. I used to love but to yeah. get a shot on top of the daiquiri. You know, if you get your strawberry daiquiri. Tequila floater. Ex- yeah. Floater yeah. on the top. Um, and then feel like shit yeah. for like six hours. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> but I guess the and point then, being, there's yeah. a big difference between what's light drinking for women and light drinking for men. Right. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, the Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Administration, I call that S-A-M-H-S-A, is their acronym, if you ever, that's how how you you normally see them um, listed anywhere. But they define heavy alcohol use as that type of drinking, right, the four drinks on any day or three for women on any day, that type of drinking that they consider binge drinking on five or more days in the past month. Mm. Wow. So so that's basically saying that, Everybody is binge drinking or everybody is drinking too much. Everybody's drinking too much and it's everywhere. And, and especially at a time where people feel isolated, you know, it makes them the few times they are getting together, you know, I feel like people are overdoing it or even these zoom wine parties. Mm-hmm. These, uh, one thing that my wife has, uh, they do happy hour and there's happy hours on Zoom where it's basically just sitting in front of your computer yapping with a glass of wine. It's getting drunk in your living room. Yeah, it's almost like it's <laughs> it's the price that you pay to get into the club almost. Like you can't really be part of that unless you're actively well, drinking. Well, you can't. No. You can't. I'll tell you, like as a, as a mother, um, you know, and a mother who has struggled with alcoholism and addiction at, you know, a, a lot of different points in my life. You know, I, I quit almost eight years ago. But, you know, my kids are 25 and 18. So, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they've, they've, you know, and, and I'll tell you this, that they will still say, you know, they they didn't really understand that, you know, like even today, I try not to listen to their voices too loud in my head telling me that they don't think I had much of a problem. But, mm. um, but I was really, I was really, but that was the, the next part of this is the pressure. Yeah. Because, you know, the way alcohol has been marketed to women, especially in my age group and, and the 20s and the 30s in the last five to 10 years, you know, women are encouraged to drink to cope. And so that mommy needs wine culture for the 20, especially the 20s and 30 somethings, because by the time we're 40, most of us aren't having small kids, although a lot of, a lot of women are, but not as many. Right. Um, I would say that this is pushed, and, and a lot of us are a little more confident in like not having to go along with a group just to be a part of it, right? right? But when my kids were young, I just wanted them to have friends, and I had moved across the country, like I was building all of these relationships from scratch, and 
it was perfectly acceptable to drink in the middle of the day. And much to my delight, if it was a play group or if it was a mommy, you know, like, which is so bizarre when you think about it. Like, what if, what if an emergency occurs? Right. And there's not a sober adult in the house, but that's, you know, that was just, it was cutesy and part of it. And all the t-shirts and shit that came out later after I got sober, the mommy needs wine, rosé all day. Like, can't go to Target without wanting to like rage, like (laughs) rage through there with like a, a paint marker and just, yeah, I don't know, whatever. So, but you know, that, you know what I mean? Something I wondered about with, with that is, you know, really it's, it's the last, you know, 10 years or whatever that you see this huge increase in, in the marketing and the, you know, the exploitation of, of this, this idea that you, you need wine to cope with your day-to-day parenting stuff. But, you know, I was wondering, you know, did, did the alcohol companies, um, see a trend and capitalize on it, or did they create the trend and just kind of start sticking it in people's faces? And I, you know, I haven't been able to kind of figure out which one. Um, well, yeah, that chicken or egg concept is always a bit of a tricky one. I'll say that just given how long I know that this has been going on, I don't think they created it. Mm -hmm. I think they noticed the phenomenon and it being more socially acceptable and started like, for instance, I never liked wine, but it was, you know, it was what would be open in the middle of the day. So I started drinking wine because right. I thought, well, if it's wine, it's not, you know, day drinking or whatever. <laughs> so, you know, I think I think they saw that and a lot of the way they were able to market cheaper wines. And I mean, you know, I would like I, I remember back in the early 2000s, I would buy cases of wine at Peter Joe's, you know, the two buck truck, two which truck. I guess now is like three buck truck. But, uh, or at least on this part of the country, uh, I think they changed their prices a little when they started expanding and having to ship it. But either way, um, yeah, I, I, you know, that was back many years ago, but it was not seen as socially acceptable. So I always pretended I was having a party or something where it became more socially acceptable, I guess, as my kids were growing up and, and really requisite. But if you didn't party mm. <laughs> when you went to a play date, like what's wrong yeah. with you? Oh man. The, the um, worst thing is you slap that label on the bottle of wine, like mommy's time out or whatever. And you can really pass off some absolutely horrendous, low, low quality garbage, you know, yeah. and people will buy it because it's, Oh look, it says mommy is going to drink during the day on it and you can bring it to the play date. You know, it's really, I, and I'm horrible. not going to pretend to know what good wine is because I don't <laughs> care. Like I really never liked it. And so for me, you know, I didn't like, I was just like, well, I can, if it's palatable and alcohol in general is like that. And, I mean, mm. listen for me anyway, uh, because I am someone in recovery and I am a trash can when it comes to getting started. I, I don't, there's no limit to what I will put in my system <laughs> once I start. Right. So I don't, right. you know, I don't care. Like, I'm not like, Oh, let me get a good wine. Like at this point in my life, I don't think I would even pretend that I was doing it for anything else, but, but yes, you're right. And that's, they really made it very inexpensive. So you can, you know, I mean, barefoot wines or various uh, brands. Mm. I don't even know if that's still in, but, um, the funny thing is this, uh, funny, not as much haha, but I'll tell you, uh, that reminds me of when the day, two days after I quit opiate cold turkey in, uh, March of 2013. And, um, I had been binge drinking for a long time and started, uh, getting prescriptions for opiates about five years prior to getting clean, uh, in 2013. But 
anyway, um, I was like two days into it, uh, withdrawal and, and my plan was to, to stop. And I remember going into Walmart and I don't even know how I did it because I could barely get out of bed, but I went and I was trying to act normal because I wasn't telling people around me what was going on either. Um, so I was still trying to do things, um, and pretend like I wasn't dead inside, <laughs> but <laughs> and partially outside. Um, I remember going into Walmart and there was this huge, uh, in the produce section, there was a huge, um, uh, like almost like end cap type of thing, but in the middle and it had a bunch of barefoot wine, really big bottles. <laughs> and I remember it was like an instinct. I thought, God, I feel like shit. And I grabbed one of them out of that cardboard thing and put it in my car. And then I looked at it and I thought, Oh my, like, <laughs> even though I had relapsed on alcohol, right. And it led me to a 15 year relapse. There was uh, something still in my mind that was skipping on that record of, mm. yeah, you know, this might take the edge off. And, you know, it was just like insanity, but it was right there. Yeah. It was ac- accessible and it was inexpensive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I put it back. It was, it was one of those moments where I thought, what am I doing? This is the dumbest thing ever. And I put it back, but you know, it was, it was in the produce section. Like why? <laughs> Just next to the carrots <laughs> and the uh, and the kale. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. There was no other alcohol there or anywhere nearby, so it definitely is placed in a way that whoever's doing the shopping is just going to happen across it. I'm not saying it's always the women doing the shopping, but statistically, uh, they are most of the time. You know, I've been doing um, the shopping lately. I just want to say because my wife doesn't want to go yeah. to the supermarket, but Instacart, you're right. baby. I love that. So the question then. Uh, Aaron is with all of this data out there, with all of this knowledge, with all of this experience, with all of the stories we've all heard about people destroying their lives with alcohol. And, you know, why do you think it, it's still not getting through? I mean, what, why don't people know this stuff? Like why? Well, I think some of it is not put out there for reasons. And, and I'll say, you know, the government still makes, I mean, listen, I'm not going to go into conspiracy theory. That's not my <laughs> point. But I'll tell you, the government makes money. I mean, here in North Carolina, which is where I am, y'all, um, <laughs> you guys know this. But so for everybody else, um, although I didn't grow up here, been here about 15 years. And one of the weirdest things for me was having to go into a government store to purchase alcohol, walk through security screenings. Mm-hmm. As if I was a, you know, and like there are, those are the only, you can buy wine and beer other places here and there. But if you want liquor, you can only purchase it at the ABC store, which is owned by the government. Wow. That's correct. I mean. I have in Pennsylvania. Yeah. So, I mean, the government definitely, yeah. they make money. There's, you know, there's always the lobbyists that are, are paying, um, you know, politicians on the sly to uh, make laws favorable to their product. And it's so just let's like. let's be a, honest, right? You know, the NIH. But they, yes, they, they are paid to do these studies, but they don't necessarily have to scream it from the rooftop. No, they don't. And, and you know what? I, I think that education really is, is the answer. And even my wife, who's not an alcoholic, but you know, she listens to the show and I'm noticing that she's drinking less. And sometimes when she would normally go for a drink, she'll say to me like, why do I want to drink right now? She's like, you know, I don't, but she's just sort of thinking about it now that she's hearing it on the show. Mm-hmm. And once you get that, you know, it makes you look at, you know, how much of my behavior is, you know, governed by some subconscious, you know, ad, you know, that is making me want to do this. And when you really oh, think about, you know, when you really think about what time. it's doing to you and, you know, 
uh, I think most people would want to stop. That's that's Andy Grace's whole shtick is, um, you know, once you know this and understand it, you, you almost can't, can't unsee it. You can't unsee it, you know? Yeah. And um, it may not inform your behavior in the moment, but I know for me, like, uh, there was a lot of time before I got clean that I thought about it. Um, and I took a lot of information in that when I decided it was time, I had that information and it was helpful. I could put it, you know, I, I'm that kind where I like to have information, even if it's stuff I don't need or because I, I know that I've always had opportunities to review something that I've learned, even if it was years prior in making decisions. Yeah. You know, so, you know, yeah, putting it out there. But, you know, the other vantage point that I think people in recovery, if we're talking about as recovering people, how can we help? One is, you know, yeah, you can put this information out there, right? The the very basics of the medical stuff is pretty compelling because it's not theory. It's not, there are a lot of people that don't believe that women are still kind of marginalized in recovery groups. Um, Marginalized meaning not so much even as an effort. But that there are less of us than men. If you walk into an AA room, you may get a meeting that has half and half. That's interesting. But not, us- not usually. I mean, huh. and, and some of it depends on where you live. Yeah. But if you think about even an AA that was started in the 30s, um, the first 100 alcoholics, only one of them was women right. that she's they refer famous. to. She's famous and she <laughs> she's an important one, but you're right. You know, And we have an old timer locally, yeah. and this is a Freudian split, but it is so spot on. I remember one time he was referring to it, uh, the first hundred alcoholics, and he said it was 99 people and one woman. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> and everyone looked at me and I was like, okay. 99 problems. I'm letting right. this one go. He, yeah, exactly. But you see what I mean? Like even that kind of language, like he, like it's just, it was, it was very natural for him. That that's the way that he looked at it because it's a generational thing that women yeah. Um, were the wives of alcoholics, but sure. they weren't looked at as alcoholics. And if they were, they were looked at as rough women. I mean, the, the one that was in that group was kind of a rough chick. Yeah. Yeah. You and know, then, and it, she was seen as that. And she was, a, a, you know, she really was someone who affected a lot of change. And a, a lot of people don't know this, but um, Bill W.'s wife, uh, Lois, I think it was, mm-hmm. She, the, what happened when he was having his meetings the, mm-hmm. the wives of the other guys would be meeting in the kitchen and those meetings became Al-Anon basically. Right. Mm-hmm. So, which is really, it's interesting. And she had, she was almost as responsible for the AA movement, if not more than Bill W himself. She was a very strong Listen, woman. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's very interesting, but the, you're right that the women's entree into it's a boys club. And not only that, I'm yeah. going to take it a step further and really get controversial. There's a documentary. Let's do it. Here we go. There's a documentary called the 13th step mm. and it is all, all about, uh, women, girls being uh, taken advantage of, um, by these older, more experienced, um, AA t- people who basically prey on these people. And um, not only that, the other side of this is that those people are often sex offenders who have been, you know, mm-hmm. court ordered to be at AA. So the whole documentary is just talking about how unsafe it, it could be if you're not extremely careful. And that, you know, women yeah. are particularly 
um, you know, at risk um, by these people because it's an anonymous group, you know, and, and, you know, you're trusting these people. It happens all the time in, in gay AA too. Um, well, and it happens actually every, I mean, yeah. this is, and to throw a little bit more of a controversial, uh, let's just keep, let's just keep, uh, you know, playing <laughs> the Jenga here. Let's do this next but, one. We could do 13th uh, step uh, on your next oh one. Oh God, I could, honey, I could go on all day. But yeah, the thing about that is that it's not just women too. Like I, I really want to say that because I think, uh, you know, honestly, I, I, you know, I'm a self-admitted feminist and I, I am, I can see things from that angle, but I never want it to be seen as something that I see as, as predators being exclusively men, because right. I've, I've seen it. I've seen men preyed upon in these programs as well. It's it just that women, like you said, maybe there may be several factors why they may be a little more susceptible mm-hmm. to it. One being that women oftentimes have had more sexual trauma in their history. Right. Um, and are maybe, you know, there's some, there's, there's stuff behind that. And then, you know, abandonment and all of, all of the things that we tend to glom on and, but there are, there are at least as many sick women as there are sick men. And I think in general that, you know, just finding safe spaces for everyone. Like I tell men all the time, protect yourself. Don't give women rights home. It's your word against theirs. Mm. Yeah. You know, so you may not be a predator, but try to prove it. Cause I see, you know, I've, I've seen, uh, I've known women that have been sexually assaulted um, and, and, and men that have been preyed upon by old timers that are there. And, and that documentary. But it's uh, not anti-AA. I want to say not, that because I am an AA buy-in. Yes. It's not AA, but it's important for us to be aware of the problem so we can make AA yes. as safe as possible. And I think that the documentary's yes. focus was that the, the governing body of AA, and it, and if people don't know this, AA really is a, each group is self uh, propelling or self-governing, self-governing, but the overall, the AA organization, uh, intergroup, maybe it's called, uh, they are like not doing anything about it to create awareness for people to be, you know, cause it hurts the brand for one thing, but it's really important that while we're supporting AA, you know, to make sure we protect these people and that they know, uh, and, th- and maybe the courts shouldn't mandate AA meetings well, I, to I sex offenders well I mean, and they or, don't or, actually they don't do it anymore, anymore. they oh, can't okay well good they're not oh, well they're not yeah there was a supreme court ruling years ago uh because based on it was really based on religious religion. freedom yeah. honestly yeah. um yes interesting freedom from religion or dogma right because yeah. we know i mean you know it's not religious but I, yeah i mean if you showed it to me and i was not down with the god idea then i would see it as religious Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way around that. The fact that people act like they don't see that is crazy. To me. But as at, and I, when I say I'm an AA buy-in, like I believe in the program as it stands, right? Not a lot of the commentary and a lot of the editorializing people do, and a lot of the extra rules they make up. I think the program itself is a great program. I think the fellowship is a great fellowship. But I also, like you said, I think it's short-sighted not to be able to see some of the ways that we could improve. Um, and not, I'm not talking about AA necessarily. I'm talking about 12 steps in general and other recovery programs. But yeah, specifically 12 steps because any, they don't have a governing body. Right. I mean, anytime you have a, a, a group of... Um non-professionals addicts who are trying to help each other it's great but a person who is very vulnerable maybe they should be in a, in a more 
I don't know, a safer setting with, um, you know, doctors and stuff like that. As far as the court, maybe they should be mandating them to like, you know, there's just not enough inpatient and outpatient treatment and it's too expensive. And I'll tell you like on, I can't speak for other A or other 12 step programs because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm most familiar with, with one, but I will say, you know, with the, that yes, GSO, the, the general service organization, and AA World Services um, has not really, you know, that nobody's really been successful at holding them accountable for things that go on in groups. Mm. And that's primarily the reason that, you know, the traditions are set up the way they are to, mm. you know, to prevent the whole, the whole system from falling when groups aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing because we're really governed from the bottom up. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a, and that's a whole other, that's a topic for another day. But what they did do I'm t- you know, one thing is that they, they started uh, creating safety committees several years ago and, and that being an actual committee on the area boards and stuff. And they put out a, a yellow, it's bright yellow, it's a safety card and it was controversial. Um, but basically it says the general service office has made this optional statement available as AA service piece for those groups who wish to use it. And they put that on there later because there were groups that were really upset and areas that were really upset about this safety card um and they were especially upset uh, and wanted to make changes to the part where i'm trying to find it here where it says um also please take precautions you feel are necessary to ensure your own personal safety for example walking to your car in a group after a meeting if a situation should arise where someone feels their safety is in jeopardy or the situation breaches the law the individuals involved should take appropriate action Calling the proper authorities does not go against any AA tradition, which is a common myth, by the way, and is recommended when someone may have broken the law or endangered the safety of another person. And there's more to this card, and you can find it on their website for free. But, you know, that basically they are doing, you know, basically they're putting it back on the group, which is where responsibility lies, right? Mm -hmm. If you see something, say something, except that there's been this code of silence. Um, And I've I've personally been... um, uh, nailed for recommending someone uh, filing a report after being sexually assaulted because it went against tradition and because it was none of our business, although it originated at our group and it was a man who was tricking women to uh, go home with him to help him get things into his house. Hmm. Um, and we had kept, you know, and we didn't realize he was telling them he didn't have a car, although we knew that he had a car parked down the street. And when we hmm. finally realized it was happening is when, people had been assaulted, but, but yeah, there were people that did not believe we should be uh, contacting the authorities or not that uh, we shouldn't, right. Because that didn't happen to me. I didn't even see it, but even yeah. that I should not have uh, encouraged her to do so because uh, it's just insane. You're breaking. Um, so that card was their attempt. Yeah. Breaking anonymity, that kind of like anonymity is such a, anyway, yeah, it's another and anonymity show. is a po- you know, and a whole other t- yeah, that yeah, that's a whole other topic. What does that mean, right? And, yeah, watch uh, anonymous people. But yeah, that's, and, <laughs> that's the best. Uh, I love that's a good yeah. study of anonymity in in twelve step. But um, and what it means and what it doesn't and what it protects and what it doesn't. Anonymity is not confidentiality, right? right. Uh, and so it, many a, people do not understand that there's no legally binding anonymity in an AA meeting, none. Well, the problem is anytime there's a traditions meeting instead of a step meeting, nobody shows up. <laughs> That's well, what I remember. Because usually when there's a traditions it's meeting, boring. someone's mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And they're using a tradition to make their point. I've done it. Oh, man. Aaron, this <laughs> is... Making 
space is more comfortable for women yes. in recovery, right? That's How? what we need like to what? do. Yeah, and we didn't go into the whole stigma today, right? We talked a little more about the basics of it, mm-hmm. but a lot of it is helping to be, you know, finding out from the women in your local fellowship, you know, what what keeps them away? Are there things, you know, the problem in most recovery groups, in most groups in general, with most humans, is this inability or unwillingness to look at something that may be unpleasant because it's unpleasant. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And so things don't get done because people don't want to take a look at because they use the word blame a lot, right? When you say, like, who's the perpetrator? A lot of times, that's the way it's looked at, that there has to be someone that, you know what I mean? Like, there's a good guy and a bad guy, or if the, if I've, I've been a part of a lot of misogyny in my life, you know what I mean? Like, not even just as a recipient, but as part of, a, you know, various systems. Yeah, and I can I can look at that today. I can look at that today and say where you know where was I part of the problem without mm-hmm. saying that I'm a piece of shit. You know, but most people, it's a lot for them to get to that place where they can see being part of a problem without see without trying to hide the fact that they're part of the problem. <laughs> exactly, and, and and that's one of the, one of the reasons. Like, I really wanted to get you on this on the show is because of your perspective and you know, the, the women out there, um, is there a way they can contact you if they have questions or if they're looking to reach out? Um, I was thinking maybe, um, I could take an email if they, if they email me and I could forward it to you, or if you're comfortable giving out an email, um, I know I'm springing this on you. Um, that's okay. That's okay. Listen, I have a website too, that they can actually use the email function in a sense. It's probably the easiest. Okay. Plug it. Um, Plug your website. Yeah. So the website is falling, falling, F-A-L-L-I-N-G, Phoenix, like the bird or the city, dot com. Falling and there's a contact Phoenix. page there. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. There's, it's my blog and it has um, a lot of my other writings on it, but it also is a good way to contact me. And Twitter. I have Twitter uh, at girl underscore recovery. Um, and then if you tweet the show, uh, we're going to be doing a lot more with our social media there. So, <laughs> yes, um, excellent. <laughs> yes. I've yeah. Been, I, we're going to have a little meeting about that too. Yes. Guys, we'll have to do some behind the scenes so they can hear how busy we all are. But absolutely uh, like listening to us discuss a plan for yeah. our social media. <laughs> That's part of our shtick. We, we just record everything. Sometimes I call like this morning, my, uh, my car battery was dead again and I was going to call AAA, but I'm like, you know what? Mike's supposed to be my friend. He helped me last time. I'm going to ask. He's supposed to be my friend. I like the way you put that. I can't wait to hear the rest of it. Just burning those favors through the favor bank. That's fine. uh, Wow. That was like shade from, from like get. Oh, Uh, I love it. But he did show up and and we were having like a great conversation right there. I'm like, Oh, we should be recording this. Like (laughs) we can't stop, but we are so glad to have you on this show. So uh, links, links to, uh, Aaron's contact will be in the show notes. Uh, if you want to hear more about Erin, uh, maybe a little bit of her backstory, you should check out episode six of Recovery in the Middle Ages, which is where we had our initial conversation. Yeah, and look, we were planning to do a lot of fun stuff, and Erin's um, on board, and maybe someday we can all get a paycheck from this, but it's not going to be tomorrow. And it's not just a sausage party. So, <laughs> no, no. Like, if, any, if anyone wanted a little bit of a of a feminine feel. Uh, I don't know how feminine it is, but uh, a, a little bit of a, a women, you know, women in the same scenario. I'm, I'm in, uh, you know, recovery. I'm in middle age. I've raised kids through, you know, using and drinking and recovery. Wow. And so we have a lot we can 
really um, expand upon. I think it's a good way to expand the show. And I'm, I'm, I'm so like, I can't tell you how honored I am to be a part of it and to be asked. And I'll oh, tell you this, yeah, we're so you guys happy. know that I was up in New York uh, for a medical procedure for my kid back in late October, early November. And even though I was in upstate, like, you know, cause I mean, I was going by myself. I had never been to this area of New York and it was for a big, it was a big thing. And I was freaking out. It was 11 days. But I did know this. I did know that even though Matt was probably about five hours away in New York, right. that I knew that I had people I could call. That's you know what sure. I mean? Like Matt said, if you need anything, let me know. And I'm like, yeah, I'll be five fucking hours away. But I did know, <laughs> I really, like deep down, I believed that if I had to call Matt for something, that he would have, he would have done it. Absolutely. And, if, but if you need your, that, car, if you need your car that. jumped, you should probably call me. Don't call me to jump yeah, your car. <laughs> That's yeah, you're job. supposed to be our friend, so I'll call you. <laughs> supposed right, to be he obviously has no fucking cables. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was Get Smart with Aaron. All right. We're not definitely keeping that, but yeah, thank I you so know. much again. We're going to say goodbye for now, and we're so honored to have Good. you. Thank you, Aaron, and you have Thanks, a great Aaron. day. We'll be in touch this week. Thank you. I love you guys. Love you, yeah. too. you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey. 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 Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, that was fun. Um, it's yeah. great to have another uh, another perspective on stuff. Yeah. Because you and I talking is getting old. I it's know. Oh, over and over the same shit. You know, <laughs> and Aaron's one of those people like you who the first time I talked to them, I said, I'm going to talk to this person for the rest of yeah, my life. Yeah. Um, or at least. We, d- we did have listeners who said after her first appearance that it was nice to hear a, f- a feminine or female voice, I should say. Yeah, right? it's great. And, um, you know, it's cool. It's, we're very happy. So thank you so much. We're running extremely long. Do you want to take a bathroom break? <laughs> Is that a cue for you to take a bathroom break? Yeah, we're going to okay. drop a commercial here. We'll be right. <laughs> and that's going to go drop. And All right, then- we'll be right back. And we're back uh, from our break, and it's time for Recovery in the News. So I realize we're going long. Sorry, going long this week, uh, but I think it's worth it, right? What's worth it? Having a long show because we get uh, we get to have Aaron talk about uh, yeah that was great that was so great yeah Um, anyway Recovery in the News this week. all right, you threw the D, the TMZ link in there. I had the Vanity Fair article, but either way, Sorry. Uh, this week's recovery in the news is the boss, Bruce Springsteen, busted for DWI. Um, law enforcement sources told TMZ that the boss was arrested on November 14th at Gateway National Recreation Area in Sandy Hook, New Jersey. Springsteen was cited for DWI, reckless driving, reckless driving, huh? And consuming alcohol in a closed area as opposed to an open area. He'll have a court appearance coming in the next few weeks. He was cooperative throughout the arrest. And this is his first arrest for DWI, which is interesting um, because if you remember in his biography that came out a few years ago, he talked at some length about how his father was an alcoholic and how it was one of the main reasons that he stayed away from alcohol his entire career. But yeah, I, I he guess has that Netflix uh, rockumentary type of thing where he is playing and then he does story time. Yeah. He did a heck of an uh, interview on Mark Marin where he really went into the sort of his child, his difficult childhood with his father. Definitely some, uh, some trauma there. 
Um, Somebody was defending him on or trying to explain what they gathered from the report. And they said in New Jersey, everybody goes to these recreational parking areas and drinks. Yes, they do. It's like a thing, I guess, in New Jersey. Yeah. And they think that he just sort of took his car out of that area and that's why he got pulled over and maybe he shouldn't have I'm like, he shouldn't be drinking and driving. He shouldn't be drinking period. and driving. He does live 15 minutes away from, from there. They could have let him go or drove him back. They could have, but it's the boss and they probably figured they'd be famous. And Great. So we've reached out to Springsteen's camp for a comment, but nobody has gotten back to us. We're getting a no comment. Yeah, We're not even getting a no comment. Getting a no comment. Yeah. So um, also they pulled a Super Bowl commercial. He did his first commercial that he did for, for why, course of Jeep. Why pull it? Like, why is it so horrible like, that the... Is that a big, horrible thing to drive drunk? I mean, Listen, yes, I guess it, it is. is. But I mean, cancel culture now. I mean, Jesus. I mean, it happens. The, the whatever yeah. is he, uh, you know, contrite? Is he asking? You know, saying he? If did I was attorney, wrong? I would advise him not to make any statements at this time. That's a good idea. Okay. Don't make any statements, and that's. Okay. Snuck that one up on you. Born in the USA. All right. Where are we up to? This week in Weezer. Oh, shit. I fucked it up. No, I don't always do it, but I did it this week. (laughs) This week in Weird. Mystery monolith appears near Gobekli Tepe, suggesting that the monolith madness, which gripped the globe last year, is not quite over yet. A rather sizable new piece recently appeared in Turkey near the famed ancient site Gobekli Tepe. Hmm. Measuring approximately 10 feet tall, the object was reportedly first noticed this past Friday in the Turkish province of San Urfa. Intriguingly, <laughs> that's this, pretty good pronunciation. First time. Yeah. This particular monolith boasts a message in the form of an inscription reading, quote, look at the sky, see the moon. Look at this guy. Oh, look at the sky. Look at the sky, not this guy, and see the moon. When mystery <laughs> monoliths were a bona fide craze back in December, most of the pieces that appeared in various communities around the world were met with a mix of delight and slight annoyance from residents and local authorities. However, the newfound piece in Turkey has prompted a rather serious response from officials as they have actually dispatched armed guards to watch over the object and have launched an investigation into who ha- could have created and then delivered it to that location. Mystery monoliths. What is going no on? No sense of humor. What Turkish is going police. on? They just had a monolith. Where was that? Arizona or something? Listen. What's with the monolith? If an alien civilization came and put these monoliths around, they would not put some as trite and bullshit a statement as if you look at the sky, see that. What are they? Bruce Lee? Trying look to- at the sky. Ooh. See moon. Don't mistake the finger for the moon or whatever Bruce Lee said. That's ridiculous. It's some somebody's looking don't to. Mis- don't mistake my finger for a moon. Up your nose with a rubber hose. Hey. <laughs> and that is this week in Weird. Well, I think we've had such a great show. And that about does it. Thanks for listening. That does it, all right. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> Visit us at middleagesrecovery.com. Join the discussion on our exclusive and private Facebook Sorry, I'm getting a call. Facebook group. Uh, if you need to talk, uh, like I said before. Um, <laughs> Just give me a call. Give me a call and I will ghost you until the show's over. <laughs> um, find us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Tweet us at twat you twit. Apple Podcasts and wherever. Find pa- podcasts are sold. Five-star reviews will be read on the air. 
And as we say, I think we have one for next week. We do. Five star review. All right. Five yeah. star review. Okay. Looking forward to it. Non proficiat perfectum. Progress, not perfection. See you next week. Bye. Be good. Thank you.